Hey, everyone. Good morning. <laughs> so nice to see you. It's a lovely day. It's not going to be as hot as yesterday, so amen for that. It's not. Uh, so if we could take this time, we will stand as we worship our Lord together.
Good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. And as we tend to say, there's a place for you here. Um, my name is Henry. I'm doing the announcements and prayers and praises. Um, let's start with the birthdays. Dave Maxey and Doug Seiden have their birthday on the 30th, as does James George. Seppi, Ricky's son, Henneman, has his birthday on the 1st and Jeanette on the 2nd. Um, first off, on the 3rd of August, next Saturday, we have a barbecue. Um, we still need people to help, with, especially with the cleaning, either on Friday or after the barbecue. You know, there is a sign-up sheet in the back in the fellowship hall. Please try to help. I mean, not just come for the food. The food is for the neighbors. And if you don't help, you might get no food. Because <laughs> remember who's making the food. Ruby. So, and I might have some influence there. Um, there's also a new class that starts on the 9th of August. Uh, or Corazon Cruz will lead it. It's intercessory prayer. Um, it's from 6 till 8. And by the way, we had a great day yesterday celebrating Cora's birthday, basically a month ahead of her real birthday. But it was a fantastic afternoon, and we all enjoyed the food. Um, family fun night on the 30th. There is also still a call for, as they say, teens and tweens. It's those younger people that don't belong to either group. They're not the young, young ones, and they're not the older teenagers or young adults. Um, we have a class at 9.45 on Sundays, and we would love for you to join that class. Gianna, you want to help me? We're asking, you know, anybody that wants prayers or praises, uh, lift up your hand, and Gianna will come and give you the microphone. I was able to have a be off of work Friday, which is one phrase, but uh, I was also being able to uh, go up in Concord and see a friend of mine that goes back, way back. Um, uh, we roomed together before he got married, and then he was my best man at my wedding. I hadn't seen him in a while, and he's moving to Arizona, but uh, it was really nice just to visit with him in um, time. So, praise God. His name is Jim, and just pray. He's got some health issues, so I pray for that too. Thank you.
okay. This is a little slow on the uptake. I'm really getting tired of uh, prayer requests about people dying, but it seems to be my job this season. Um, some of you know Bob and Kathy Tharlson. They are uh, American Baptist clergy couple, uh, now retired. Uh, Kathy was in the hospital for a week um, in John Muir. Uh, she's now in kidney failure, and she has been uh, released from the hospital and sent home on hospice, and uh, the doctors say that um, uh, her home going is near. She's one of my closest friends. Okay, well, let's go to the Lord. Precious Father, we come to you because you are the one that we can come to at all times and in any moment or any circumstance. We ask you and we lift up to you the Carlson family and be with them, guide them, give them wisdom and understanding and peace in the circumstance that they are in. Be praises for Chuck's friend Jim, that Chuck got to see him uh, after a long time, and also we ask you to be with him, because since he has health problems and you know uh, what they are and how to deal with them. Lord, we thank you, we love you, and we know that without you, there would be no world, there would be no us. And so please, hear our prayers, hear our praises, and guide us into the future. Through your loving Son, Christ Jesus. Amen. Jeanette. And the children, I guess. All right, so kids, if you want to come on up. This is going to be fun today. So we're going to hear Pastor Lauren, who's visiting us today, talk a little bit about home and family and kind of talk about the home that we have here at church. And I know a lot of you guys have grown up here and been in church since you were very little. And then there are other friends of ours who came later, maybe last month or maybe last year. But you know what? God has given us this great church to be our home for whoever comes in, no matter how long they've been here. And there's a part that Pastor Lauren might read a little differently, but it says, you're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using all of us, no matter how we got here in what he is building. And so when I read that part that said, you belong here, insiders and outsiders, for some reason, it made me think of one of my favorite movies. And you guys may be able to see, they won't. 
So tell me, who is your favorite Toy Story character? Who do you like best? Um, Woody. Uh, I have two favorites, the ducky and bunny. Oh. Trash. <laughs> Orky and Bo Peep. Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear, all right. <laughs> well, you know what is interesting about Toy Story that makes me think about church? Stop and think for a minute. Is there anything about Toy Story makes you think about church. Well, I think about how all of the toys there kind of got along. Some had been there a super long time, like Buzz and Woody. They've been back there for way before you guys were even born. Who's the newest toy? Forky. And I think about Forky. Now, did Forky feel like she belonged at the beginning? Did she feel like that was the right place for her? Where did she keep trying to go back to? Trash. To the trash. She thought, I don't belong in this room with all these wonderful toys. And she kept running back to the trash over and over. And Woody kept telling her, you're a toy, not trash. You know what I'm going to tell you? is just like we sang before, you're a child of God, and you belong here. Yes, you are. That's right. Yes, I am. <laughs> and whether you've been here ever since you were a tiny baby, or whether you came just for the first time today, this is a home for God's kids. Now tell me, here's a tricky one, how did somebody know that they belonged as a toy to Bonnie or to Woody? I'm not to Woody, to Bonnie or to Andy. How did they know? Do you remember? Tina. Remember Bonnie's name or Andy's name was on their shoe. Well, God has you as his kids. And even if God's name isn't on your shoe, you can know that you are a child of God. Yes, you are, and you belong here, you guys, and every other kid that comes and joins us. And we're going to be good toys and good friends like Woody. And when new people come and they think, well, maybe I don't belong in kids' club, or maybe I shouldn't come here, like Forky, we're going to say, yeah, you do. Come sit by me in Kids Club. Come sit by me in church and be part of our family here at church. So we're going to thank God for our church family today with an I say, you say prayer, okay? Dear God, thank you for my church family. Thank you that I am a child of God. Thank you for showing me how to love other children of God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Go ahead and sit down. <laughs> We're going to take our offering now and continue our worship to God. So as our ushers come forward. Uh, let me just uh, pray. Let's pray together. God, thank you.
for the abundance that you have given us. And I pray that as we continue in worshiping you by giving our gifts, um, that we will show just a speck of the generosity that you have shown to each of us. Use these tithes and offerings to do your work inside these walls and most importantly outside. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
rescued me. I was bound by all my sin when your love came and set me free.
Good morning, everyone. So good to be with you here today. I was very excited when Pastor Aaron invited me uh, to come preach, and it's been several years since I've been here uh, at this church, so it's very good to be back again. Um, I will say that there are three things that I've learned already um, just from the first part of this worship service. The first is that uh, sometimes the holiest moment in an entire worship service can be witnessing a toddler sing the words with reckless abandonment that he knows he is a child of God. So thank you for that. Um, the second thing I've learned is that um, after that Jeanette is a very gifted uh, children's minister storyteller, and I sort of felt like when she was done, we could just all go home because that was pretty much my message. And the third thing is that I really need to see Toy Story 4 <laughs> before, it, before it comes out of theater. So um, good to be with you today. Our scripture reading comes from the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 11 to 22, and I'm going to be reading out of the um, NRSV version. Hear the word of God. Paul says, So then remember that at one time you Gentiles by birth, called the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall, that is, the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace, and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. May God bless the reading of his holy word. And Lord, open our hearts and minds to receive your word for us today. Speak to us ever so clearly, for we, your children, are listening. Amen. So I am a homebody. I love my couch, my teapot, and my overstuffed chair where I sit to do my jigsaw puzzles. I love my bookshelf, my arts and crafts table, and my stretchy, elastic-waisted pajama pants. These are stretchy too, just so you know. Even in my youthful prime partying years, I always preferred curling up in my room with a book over going out on the town. When my husband Daniel worked in the music industry, he would get free tickets to tons of amazing shows to see phenomenal musicians. And whenever he invited me to join him, I'd ask, 
Will I have an assigned seat or will I have to stand the whole time? Will there be sweaty people and sticky surfaces? And will I be home by 10? <laughs> so needless to say, he usually ended up going alone. Over the years, I've had a few places I've called home. The house I grew up in in southeastern Pennsylvania, a quarter acre lot at 6 Crumley Avenue was the first. And even now, when I drive past it on a visit to my hometown, I can still superimpose myself on that front yard as a little girl climbing the magnolia tree, the smell of fresh cut grass uh, in the air from my dad's lawnmower. It's been 20 years, over 20 years, since I've left, and that place still feels like home. However, some places have never felt like home, even though I lived there for quite some time. Oberlin, Ohio, where I spent four years attending college, is one such place. Maybe it was the harsh, frigid winters. Maybe it was the fact that I missed my parents and my then-boyfriend Daniel so much. Maybe it was the horrible cafeteria food or the challenging coursework. Whatever the reason, although I appreciated my time there, Oberlin never felt like home. And then there are places where the sense of home came as a surprise. I was 21 when I came out to the Bay Area to visit my parents, who had moved here while I was in college. Being a Chinese-American girl from suburban Pennsylvania, where the only other Chinese people I knew worked at Hunan Garden down the road from my house, I felt like a fish out of water when I first arrived in San Francisco. Chinese people were everywhere. And they all knew how to pronounce my name. And the Asian food, oh, the Asian food. Abundant, authentic, and affordable. I was home. What is home to you? Is it where you were born or where you live now? Or is it less of a place and more of a feeling? And if some places are like home to us, doesn't it stand to reason that in other places, we move about as foreigners, strangers, and aliens? The passage we read from Ephesians is timeless because it deals with our sense of home and belonging as we continually find ourselves in a state of alienation from one another and from God. In Paul's time, the Jews and the Gentiles were having trouble accepting one another, even though they shared Christ in common. And Paul reminds them that despite their ethnic and physical differences, they are made one through the blood of Christ. He says, for Christ is our peace. In his flesh, he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. The last neighborhood I lived in was on a website called Nextdoor. You all on that? This website allows folks to log on to their neighborhood's page and share recommendations for things like plumbers and roofers, report missing pets, advertise a yard sale or a community barbecue, and so forth. Well, at one point, the neighborhood got sucked into a nasty, embittered war over the issue of street parking. It got so bad that people were engaging in name-calling and even driving past each other's homes to take stock of what cars they were driving and how many parking spots they were using. Yeah. Thankfully, most of this blew over, but for a while, our peaceful neighborhood felt hostile. 
People were trying to stake their claim to their territory and alienate their own neighbors as if to say they didn't belong. So how can people who live on the same street despise each other so much? How can they send their kids to school together while posting profanities on a website that's designed to bring neighborhoods together, not tear them apart? Paul says that Christ has destroyed the barrier between us broken down the walls of hostility, created within himself one new humanity, thereby making peace, and reconciled us unto God, literally putting to death our hostilities, nailing them to the cross, so that all may have direct access to God through the very same Spirit. See, in God's home, access for one does not mean exclusion for others. You see, people don't make homes. God does. Hebrews 3, 4 says, for every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. The most beautiful home, the most serene neighborhood, the most visitor-friendly church building, none will feel like home without God at the center. God is the one who breathes life into a place, who transforms it from mere bricks and stone to a holy temple of the living God. Questions about home are all around us, aren't they? Whose is whose? Where mine ends and yours begins? The right of some, but not others, to belong? Migrant families and vulnerable children endure squalid conditions at border camps along the U.S.-Mexico border. Images like that of Salvadoran father Oscar Alberto Martinez Ramirez and his daughter Valeria washed ashore a riverbank sear painfully into our minds. Congresswoman Ilhan Omar, along with other female representatives of color, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ayanna Presley, and Rashida Tlaib are told to go back and help fix the totally broken and crime-infested places from which they came and crowds at a rally chant send her back in support of the racist, xenophobic statement. The European Union continues to struggle to find a unified path forward to address the refugee crisis as migrants continue to flee war-torn countries seeking safety and a future for their families. So what is home? Where does my home end and yours begin? If I welcome you, does that make my home your home too? And what if you just show up and I'm not particularly thrilled? What if the home God is building is different from what I have been trying to build? And what if it's just as much yours as it is mine? We know from the Old Testament that God gave his people Israel the promised land. He cleared the way, defeated their enemies, provided for them in the wilderness, and gave them victory over their opponents, all to lead them to the land of milk and honey. And that sounds pretty imperialistic, doesn't it? But we must also consider the mercy of the Good Samaritan, the instruction to be hospitable to the stranger, the widow, the orphan, and the least of these, and the great commandment to go out and make disciples of all nations. See, the two are, in fact, not contradictory. What God tells us through both his promise to Israel, 
all the way through to Jesus' command to love our neighbors as ourselves is that God is building us a home, a vast, unified temple of the living God, free of division and hostility with Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone, holding it all together. But allowing God to break us free of our divisions isn't always that easy, is it? I mean, all of us here gathered today are fairly nice, socially adjusted people. We all smell pretty good, probably chew with our mouths closed, and we share some common beliefs and morals and worldviews. But what about the 99.9% of other people out there in the world who aren't like us? Growing up, I had a friend who had to share her room with her annoying little brother. They had a piece of masking tape down the middle of the room to clearly define whose side was whose and the line that shalt never be crossed. And thank goodness God isn't like that, nor does he tolerate that way of thinking. God is the only one with the power to break down the dividing walls between us, the physical, emotional, spiritual, political, and economic barriers that continue to threaten to divide. It is our brokenness, our prejudice and fears that identify a place as home for some and yet not for others. But God challenges us to break down those walls and not just welcome the stranger, but love them until they are a stranger no more. It is then that we become a home for the Spirit of God. He dwells not in our walls, our floors, or our roofs, but he dwells in us. Paul says, and so you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So I love that last part because it's something that, this is a passage I've read several times, as have many of you, I'm sure. And it spoke to me this time in this last reading, that that last part is in the present tense. You are being built. See, one of the greatest risks in this text is to hear it as saying that others need to conform to us and become more like us. But verse 15 says Christ is forming a new humanity. See, this isn't a process of conformation. It's a process of transformation. And as one commentator has said, this is an ongoing construction project. And all Every one of us should be prepared to be changed. Well, shoot. See, I'm perfectly good with welcoming the stranger so long as they conform to the rules of my house. But this scripture is telling me that I too should welcome transformation, that I should be open to whatever God has in mind for his home, regardless of whether or not it suits my interests. So, my husband and I pride ourselves on having a very warm, welcoming home. We are also, mind you, a bit obsessive about cleanliness and organization. I heard you talked about Mary and Martha last week. I'm working on my Martha. 
So a good friend recently gave us a rude awakening as we happily described our home as the kind of place where you can just drop in and relax. And my friend said to us, um, guys, yeah, that's not really the kind of house you have. See, our guests are expected to remove their shoes, as in any good Chinese home, to not drop crumbs on the ground, and to look at our curated collection of art objects, but not necessarily touch them. Here we were thinking we were being welcoming when in fact we only wanted the kind of visitors who would conform to our house rules. But in this new household that God is continually building, we are to surrender to the transformative imagination of his uniting spirit. See, this is a new kind of home where all are welcome and every single one of us will be changed. Now, I'm not suggesting you throw out all of your ethics, morals, or ways of thinking, but just as I should see a guest not taking his shoes off as an opportunity for me to practice flexibility and radical hospitality, I should, for example, see someone who votes differently in an election as an opportunity to discover how authentic relationship can transcend political affiliation. Breaking barriers requires us to not just welcome the stranger, but to be transformed by the stranger. If we are faithful in this transformation process, God will expand the territory of our hearts, and he will grow our capacity for grace. This isn't just about growing church attendance or adding more names to the roles. This is about showing Christ-like hospitality into a home that is still being built, no matter how uncomfortable that might be. So how will you welcome the stranger? How might you change and adapt, continue to do things like the community barbecue, so that this home of First Baptist Alameda will be just as much theirs as it is yours? Some may not dress like you, sound like you, or think like you. You know that. How will you be Jesus to those people? How will you love them from strangers into citizens, from aliens into members of this household of God? And let's not forget about the alienation we often feel from one another within the church family. See, I can have an easier time sharing a small seat on a packed bus with a complete stranger, our bodies right up against each other, than sharing my heart with a fellow Christian who may have a different view on gender, sexuality, or politics. I can casually shake off a rude comment from a non-believer, but dwell on a word of criticism offered by a Christian sister or brother until it literally eats me up inside. I can drop off carloads of donated items to my local goodwill for people I will never meet and yet hear of a prayer concern from someone in my own congregation and again and again forget to pray. God seeks to expand the territory of our hearts so that we can truly become a household united in him, especially as sisters and brothers in the faith. And similarly, when you go out into the world, how will you begin to see those new places as your home as well? Will you allow yourself to be welcomed, even if it feels uncomfortable or unfamiliar? 
And how might seeing new and strange places as home affect the way you then treat those places, care for those places, preserve and cherish those places? One of the things we started to do as a family, I have three kids, ages 13, 11, and eight, is that we give back to a community when we are vacationing somewhere. So on a recent trip to Kauai, my husband and I decided that we wanted our children to appreciate more about the island than the beaches and the shave ice. We wanted them to love the people. See, we feel at home in Kauai, which is why we keep trying to go back, but we know that feeling at home just doesn't mean supporting the tourism industry. It means creating a dwelling place for God through the relationships that we build with one another. So we visited a church uh, for worship on a Sunday, and we learned about their food pantry ministry. Over 400 people come to this church every Wednesday to receive a huge box of food, including fresh produce grown in the church's own garden. And we knew we wanted to help, so that following Wednesday, instead of packing up to go to the beach, we headed to the church, and we spent three hours sorting food. The kids all pitched in, and our son, Cannon, did an especially good job making sure no box went without its package of Oreos. Kauai feels more like home than ever before, and we plan to serve others in some way whenever we visit a place for a vacation. So when you go out into the world, how will you begin to see those new places as your home? And how will seeing them as home change the way you care for those places and for your neighbors? See, none of us can lay sole claim on any place as our home and our home only, for this world belongs to God the Creator. If we are fortunate enough to feel at home at any place in the course of our lives, it is only because he has made it so. So may we surrender to the power of our Lord to break down the barriers between us, Jew and Gentile, citizen and non-citizen, male and female, American-born and immigrant, red and blue, boomer and millennial, church saint and first-timer walking through the doors for the first time. May we, friends, be a united church in a divided world. And may we be transformed through the building of God's household so that together we may be a dwelling place for the Lord. Amen. Amen. If you're able, will you please rise as we close this morning? Thank you, Pastor Laura, for your message this morning, and I pray for us as a church, as individuals, as a group, as God's children, that we take it to heart if God has spoken to you this morning. Um, I'm always reminded of the verse from James, just don't be hearers of the word, but be doers of it. In this song, we're going to sing that. I hope it's your prayer. It says, everything, all I am and all I have to bring, God, I will give to you. And so I pray that if you're called to come and invite, be that person that offers a home to somebody, a stranger, a friend, whatever that looks like, I pray that that would be your prayer this morning.
So you are no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. God is building a home and he's using us all in what he is building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation and now he's using you. 
fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. Can you see it taking shape day after day? May we be a holy temple for God, a temple in which God is quite at home. Amen, and peace be with you. Thank you.